Hello, everybody, and welcome to Moving Through and With Heart. I'm your host, Donna O. This is my first episode. I'm so excited. I am joined by my mother, Addie Tolson. My parents are incredibly, deeply loving people, and I felt that their insight would be helpful during such a time in the world that it is deeply challenged and we are deeply troubled. My mother was at the March in Washington, and she raised me and my sister while my father and uncle were the president and vice president of the Black Caucus and a part of the Bronx and New York City during the Black movement in the 70s. In this podcast, I am talking to my mother about race, what some of the differences are from the 70s until now, and her beliefs around parenting and raising children to connect through the heart and without hatred. So I'm joined with my mother and with everything that happened with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and all the protests, it's brought up a lot of interesting things for me, including really looking back at how I grew up and my past. And I wanted to bring my mother in on this conversation uh, just to talk to her a little bit about what it was like for her as a parent and me growing up. It was in the 70s and you guys were part of the black movement. Dad and Uncle Walter were on the um, part of the Black Caucus. And I went to African dance classes and all this kind of stuff, but I did not grow up at all with a sense of race and didn't really notice it or pay attention to it until I was in high school. And that's because we moved to Mount Vernon. I went to high school in Mount Vernon. And one of the things that stuck out to me was that it was so separate, like in Mount Vernon, the p- black, black people did not really associate with white people. And during lunch hours and things like that, they had a big courtyard and all the white people stood on one side and the black people stood on the other. And I hated that. It was like culture shock for me because I do remember my childhood growing up where there, we were multinational. Like it seemed like it was international. Like there were kids, I met kids from all over different parts of ethnic backgrounds, religions, you know, different parts of the world. They spoke different languages, mm-hmm. like, and so how did you in the 70s, during such a black movement, make that happen for us? How is it that I grew up not really thinking about race as an African-American woman? I think maybe because we did start in Co-op City, which again I say Co-op City was 90% Jewish and 10% other, other nationalities and we were the ones that opened Co-op City. So th- that's the way it started out. And I think because I as a person I, even though I came from the South, I really didn't like the idea of separation and I did not want my children to grow up with black and white. I wanted them to realize that you choose people from inside, not out. And in Co-op City, because it was mostly Jewish, a lot of my friends were Jewish even though we had the Black Caucus and there were a lot of blacks there. I opened myself up 
to all kinds of people and I just chose them that way and I think I put that in you and um, I never said to you that someone was black or white when we when I had a friend and they had children your age they were welcome into the house as long as everyone was treating each other the right way so I think that a lot of that just rubbed off on you I just I just never did that and uh, I didn't like the separation even in Co-op City when we had the black caucus and all that separate stuff. You mean I, black people communing together just with black people? Yes. And a lot of times, even the black people, there were certain black people anyway, that would say to me, um, I, didn't, I didn't attend the black caucus meetings. And no, I did not because I had young children. My husband was president at one time, vice president, and he held offices in that organization. And it took away from the family. And I felt that because he wasn't there, I needed to be there for my children at all times. And so it just didn't, I didn't go. I didn't go to the meetings. So a lot of times, the black people, because I did act that way, they didn't welcome me as the same way because they felt that I was I was being prejudiced to them and that wasn't that wasn't the case at all. And I used to explain that to them that um, you guys go to these meetings and I did not feel that that was where my children belonged. They belonged outside playing and being children. And a lot of them did take their kids to those meetings. But I just, Sylvia and I, because Sylvia was the same way. She did not bring her kids, and she and I were very close. And neither one of us took our kids to the meetings. I think it's just very interesting that you were able to, during a time where it was the atmosphere was really so much about black power and really advancing black people in society and that you were able to hold on to your own beliefs in that way and say well my children need to come first I want to have I want to raise them with different ideas and values and not succumb to you know we all tend to succumb to the pressure you know, of society, that you did not do that, and you raised us with very different mindset and beliefs. What, or do you feel that in your life you had certain experiences that cultivated that for you? Like, how did that come to be that you, I mean, you grew up in the 50s and the 60s. You know, we were rummaging through old photos today and came across some old, newspaper that you had saved where biracial marriage was illegal right. and where they legalized it in Virginia in 19, what was it, 1967. Mm -hmm. So you were raised during that time where these things weren't okay. Right. 
what experience do you think or if anything contributed to your feelings that we needed to not be part of that movement when so many black people were feeling like that movement was the most important thing for them? I'm, I'm not 100% sure. The only thing I can say is that because I did, I was a firm believer of choosing from inside. And as I was coming up, I moved around a lot as a child. So whether I was in a black neighborhood or a white neighborhood in 99, 44% of the times as I was growing up, it was in a black area. Um, because I moved around, I never had any real close, close friends because I grew up that way. And in Virginia, yes, all my friends were black, but it could have come from your Aunt Bunny, who was very diverse in her, her thinking, and she also, um, was very much into the black movement and she taught her children as well as myself um, being proud of who we were. And my mother always said to me that I was beautiful, that I, to be proud of who I was. So I didn't feel the white race necessarily intimidating the only thing that intimidated me was hair because I didn't have the beautiful hair that they did but other than that um, I think it just became for me I just chose people I I believe that there were some white people that I even knew and that were trying to be friends with me, but then I was very cautious of them until people began to welcome me into their homes and welcome me into their families and their lives. And then that way I realized that they were very genuine and whatever. Um, say Shelly, for example, I met Shelly, whom you know was Jewish. And I met her on my very first job. And um, most of the girls that worked in my area were black. But Shelly took me on and started showing me the ropes of the job. And she didn't even work in my department. She worked in accounting. And I worked in, at that time, was um, key punching, was an IT. And she just wrapped her arms around me and became a very good friend of mine. Even though your Aunt Jerry worked there and she and I were friends, but Shelly also. And she invited me into her home. Her parents accepted me. I went to all her family affairs. And that's, that's the way we did. Um, Co-op City was the same thing. There were people in Co-op City that I liked. But if they didn't treat me a certain way, I didn't bother with them. So you really just went by how people treated you yes. and experience, yeah. And that's how, and and that that was one of the things I always said. So far as you guys were concerned, if you remember, um, choose people for who they are, how they treat you. If they can't treat you, then whether they're black or white or green or orange, it didn't matter. 
and it didn't matter to me. I didn't care. There were black people that I didn't get along with. And so they didn't like me, so be it. I don't like you either. And that's that's the way I've always been. I do remember growing up as a kid, you always said that it was important to invite people to your home. Mm -hmm. If you really wanted to experience a culture or be friends with people that were different, you had to ex you had to invite them into your home. It couldn't just be that we went to school with them no. or um, went to work with them. They right. had to invite to the home. I, I also remember growing up to me, you know, in school, it like I said, it just seemed to be very international. Mm -hmm. And looking at the pictures um, from, we found pictures from kindergarten mm -hmm. and mm -hmm camp and nursery school even, right? First grade, second grade, third grade, mm -hmm. I think also up to fourth grade. Mm -hmm. And just looking at the variety of people, it wasn't just a black or white class, it was people from all over. Like there was many different colors of browns, right? Mm -hmm. Like there were Chinese people, there were Latin people, there were, you know, look like Muslim people. I remember mm -hmm. I went to, to school with somebody who was, I think you call it a, a, a Sikh, where they, Indians, where they wear the um, little buns on their heads with yeah, the, yeah, with yeah, the yeah, cloth yeah, over cloth. the bun. Yeah, Waldo was <coughs> his name. And so I remember my life being very international, but I also feel like our family was very international to me yeah. too, I think was part of it. Like growing up, we had family, we had white people in our family, we had Spanish people, we had people from different colors, oh. our family were very different colors and I always felt it was very unique. So I always felt like I was somebody that was part of the world. Mm -hmm. I never really got a feeling, even though you guys were in the black movement to me, that I was really, I felt very frustrated, which is very odd mm. to say, but I feel very frustrated that I had to choose some kind of race. For me, I felt like I was part of the world, you know, and I think you and I have had this conversation yes, before about mm. what that is, because I, I feel like in some respects, I don't, I cannot completely relate to all the experiences that black people are talking about now, which makes it very difficult for me um, because I am African-American, mm -hmm. right? But I can't really relate to all of the experiences because I really felt like, and I was really troubled by that. But the conversation we had made me realize you shared that it's because you raised us as our, like our family was international. Mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit more about what you were telling me? Do you remember? Um, I remember uh, my mother's sister, Aunt Wo, and and of course she grew up in the South. That's where her life was, and um, I I remember her saying to to us that we were international, that our family was international, and it's funny because. There was a lot of hate for the white people because a lot of the white people had done a lot of things to our ancestors. Right. But one of the things that she did share was that my great-grandmother came up during the slave time. She was not a slave. She was a slave, but she was called in those days a house slave. So she didn't work in the fields. She didn't do that. She was in the, as they're called, the big house. And she was part of her slave owner's 
I guess you can't say family, but she was more welcome than the others. It's interesting that she now, saw her, they, they separated, the, how the black how, people separated yeah. themselves back then as right. slaves, like I'm the house slave, which makes me specially different right. than the person that's in the field, which right. kind of like screws with our consciousness, Conscious, right? Yes. Our minds, because yes. that, that already started dividing us as people, right? If you really Years think about ago. it. Years we ago. Were, or, the white people already divided us from each other. Right. And therefore, there's right. the disparity within. And made the, us feel that we were better. Within, right, and that, mm -hmm. therefore that contributed to the disconnection with the African-American community. Yeah. yeah. And because of that, and then, of course, um, my grandmother's sister, um, Aunt Ruth, Henry's mom, she was the one who gave us a lot of history between her and your Uncle Joe. And uh, if you look back, she talks about their, anyway, not mine, but their high cheekbones. So between the Indians and the black and the white, that's where we were all mixed up. And so that's why the family always said, even though there was a lot of prejudice in my family, you know, we... As far as not white liking white people. Yes, yeah. yes. Mm -hmm. And because my grandmother used to say that all the time. And she distilled it in us of us being black and they were white and how the white people did not like us. But yet and still, as we came up, like your Uncle Joe, he married um, a white woman. That's right, he did. He when did. it was illegal, it was illegal for him to marry a white woman, and he and married he her anyway. He did. That's right. He yep. did. And he was in the military. He was in the military. To have done it in the military. Yep. And I don't know where they were when I know they were in D.C., living in D.C. at the time, but where they got married or anything like that, I just know he did. And she was accepted because we knew her before then and she was always accepted in the family. Your Uncle David, he married a German married girl. A German. So I just want to um, tell everyone who's listening, so one of the articles that we saw today, that mm -hmm. I saw today, um, that I mentioned a minute ago about how interracial marriage was legalized in 1967, this um, couple that they talked about was really excited because now their marriage was legal mm -hmm. and they had children. And in the article, those children were, because the marriage was considered Ill illegal, society saw those children as illegitimate. Mm -hmm. So in some respects, Jolene and Stevie, my two cousins um, that are biracial, at a point in their life, they were considered illegitimate kids because kids. their parents were not considered legally married in some, in some states because uh, sure. biracial marriage was illegal. Mm -hmm. Wow, that is crazy. Yeah, mm -hmm. and, and growing up in New York, you saw, you had to have seen a lot of interracial marriages because in New York, it, it was legal, even though in- I remember seeing yeah. that growing up. Yep. And uh, there was a family in Co-op City that we were very friendly with. You'd have to ask your father their names. I can see the faces, but not their names. Um, they were interracial, yeah, and they were our age and have children your age now. So you know that was a big difference there. 
but um in co-op city too in a in a lot of ways i did not feel um i did not feel the racial differences and i don't know if it's because they were jewish because jewish people did go through the holocaust and so they were also racially even though they were white right maybe it was maybe i don't know what it was but coming up in those times for me i didn't i did know and i did realize that a lot of there was a lot of racial injustice and martin luther king and and all of that and we did the march on washington and and your father was on tv doing a lot of talking racially and stuff like that but i still just chose chose the people for who they were and and that was it and that's why you that's why you had a white babysitter oh she yeah so Marilyn. so i wanted that was the other thing that came mm-hmm. up for me was so i was born in 67 mm-hmm. i'm not gonna lie about my age <laughs> i can't do anymore i've said it in a publicly held day. i'm 52 and you know Growing up with a, I had a Jewish babysitter growing up yeah. in the 70s, mm-hmm. and she was amazing. She like, was. She was like my second mom, like Marilyn. She, and unfortunately, she passed um, last year, and she really took care mm-hmm. of us. Like, we were, I mean, I grew up with a, she was Jewish, so I grew up celebrating the Jewish holidays, but she put a Christmas tree in her house for me and my sister. So I celebrated both holidays forever. And it was so mm-hmm. odd to me to move somewhere and not see matzah and buy matzah because I bought matzah like forever after that <laughs> because I fell in love. You know, growing up, we still had the stuff in the house that I was used to because I was used to growing up with a Jewish babysitter. So I'm curious and I would want to hear about what on earth made me choose her yes because i mean to you know inter- biracial relationships d- got legalized in some states in 1967 and here i am in the 1970s my sister was born in 1970 to turn around and have a jewish babysitter it's not that many years went by mm-hmm. wasn't even 10 years that went by mm-hmm. and we had a white jewish babysitter jewish ba- so what on earth you you said it at the beginning. You said she was amazing. Yeah, she was. And I'm so grateful for her. Man. Yes, I was too. And that's why you had her. I met her at the beginning. I said I chose people from the inside, not from the outside. And I got to know Marilyn. I thought she was wonderful. She was loving. She was caring. And I was, at the time... I, at Co-op City, I was a liaison if someone wanted to go to work and they needed a babysitter and there were people that were willing to keep kids, they used to call me and say, you know, if you know somebody that needs a babysitter, let me know. Um, And so I would tell them to call different people. I got ready to go to work and I knew Marilyn. And she was keeping her nephew, who lived upstairs, Andrew. Andrew, right, right. I remember Andrew. And uh, I said to ask her, and she said, sure, I love your kids, your girls. 
and she told me she would keep them. Where did you meet Marilyn? Right there in Co-op City. Oh, right there. Yeah. Yeah. Just by doing different things. She lived on the other side of the building. She lived on the B side. We lived on the A side. And she would be outside maybe with Robin or with Andrew. And she did keep other kids periodically. And I just thought I would see her. She was so attentive. And I'd talk to her and she was so nice. I figured I'd give it a try. I'd let her see and see if you guys. And in no time, I knew she wasn't doing it for the little bit of money that was being paid. She was doing it because she cared. Um, I used to bring her food because food for you guys, because that was the way I was. And she ended up giving half of it back to me because she told me, well, they're eating my food, so why should, you know. And I finally start buying matzo balls and stuff because you were eating what she, her kids mm -hmm. were eating. So I tried to buy food and snacks that everybody would eat. And I think the time that it really... When you guys were sick, she took care of you like you were her own. And if it was cold and I, you did, I didn't have enough sweaters, she would go, say if she went out and she felt, oh, this jacket you have on is not warm enough, she'd stop at the store and buy another jacket and put on you. And never, ever did she say to me, um... I need more food, I need more money, I need more clothes, I need anything. She never asked me for a thing. And the day that I realized that I really made the right decision was your Aunt Sylvia. She saw him, she just watched Marilyn to see how Marilyn was treating her niece. And it was, Co-op City was very windy, so it would make it very cold. She saw Michelle with these socks on that went all the way up her leg. And Sylvia stopped to talk and say hi to Marilyn. And she realized that Marilyn had stopped into the uh, store which sold socks and stockings, female stuff, and bought a pair of socks. Because I didn't believe in socks during the warm weather. I didn't believe in no, shoes. No, we were always barefoot. <laughs> yes. And she bought these socks for Michelle to put on. And Michelle was in, in the stroller. And she said, at that point, she realized that's a babysitter. That's somebody who cares about that child. Well, I just want to say, how many babysitters do that, period? No. Period. It's not even baby. I don't know of any babysitters no. that would do stuff no. like that. Regardless, no. I think to me, Marilyn was a very special she human was being, special. and you know, I've had to really, I have really taken the time to sit back and look at different parts of my life and the things that have happened to get me to make me who I am today. And I just feel like those were such unique experiences that really cultivated and molded me in such a way that I'm so grateful for mm -hmm. and I feel that those experiences have helped me be able to kind of 
I don't really want to say stand in the middle, but it's almost like stand in the middle and be able to see life from different perspectives mm -hmm. and hopefully help other people see diff things from different perspectives because I did not, I didn't have the experiences of anger and hatred regardless. And I think, you know, because I had Marilyn as yes. babysitter, because I had you and dad as my parents, like to raise me in a way that allows me to have more of an open heart for people. Mm -hmm. I think I've had more experiences that have, as, as an adult human that have made me angry, but because I've had the foundation that I was given growing up as a child and a teenager, that I can notice the anger and release the anger in a way. I don't need to harbor it and hold on to it. Mm -hmm. and. Plus, because I realize that whatever happens is maybe those people over there. It doesn't mean it's everybody. Let's no. say it's not all white people are this way, right? Like, I can separate it out. I can recognize yes. the racism yeah. and the prejudice. And then also know that I've got a really great friends that are white. Or know that there's opportunity. I mm -hmm. can have the opportunity to have good friends with other people that right. are white. Right. And not necessarily that all... And, label all people as being bad yes you know yeah you don't put a label on it and that's no. and I'm glad you learned that because that is the way that's the way it is that's the way life is Marilyn did because if you Marilyn made you the artist that you are today because <laughs> Marilyn was very artistic um, I tried to do what she did one time mine didn't come out as good as hers but I don't know if you remember as a, as a kid it was Easter and she used to have you guys blow um, raw eggs oh, yeah. out Make of the, the eggs. Yep. And then you'd color, the eggs would be colored, and she had a bush. She'd go cut a bush, and you'd have these um, eggs hanging on the bush, and they were painted, and it was pretty. And I'd bring it home and sit it in the living room. Um, she taught you, she's the one who really taught you ceramics. Draw. She did all that. She was very she artistic. She spent a lot of time with us. I don't remember growing up. Well, I mean, TV didn't, I guess, run the same way. But I don't remember Watching ever. I did not TV. spend time with her and watch a lot of time, mm -hmm. watch a lot of TV. We were always doing things, things, right? Like, she was always doing things with us, whether it was baking something or mm -hmm. painting something mm -hmm. or we were always doing things. Artistic. So, she was yep, very artistic. Very creative very creative that's mm -hmm. the word and she she shared that with you and not once did she say to me I need arts and crafts material she never asked you for anything she never asked me that was something that she did and she did it with you guys all the time you guys made Mother's Day you came home with little little things that you made that she had Christmas you came home with stuff that you you made with her that's the way she did. She was she was fantastic. So, you know, right now we're in another huge black mm -hmm. movement. Um, it's probably the biggest one since the 60s. back in the yeah sixties and seventies. So, if you had to speak to people today and you wanted to, them to know something of how to shift their thinking or open themselves up. Like, what would advice would you give, knowing that you raised me during a time where people were also angry, right? They were angry, they were fighting, 
for justice during that time too? Like, and so I guess it's two questions. One, do you think people are more angry now than they were in the 70s? And what advice do you feel or people sh you would give people now? Or how do you think people should really start to look at it so that we can be in a place where we are moving through the world more open-hearted versus just looking at the color of our skin? I think basically now it's really harder because of the top. Because of the what? Top. What does that mean? Meaning Washington. Okay, because okay. the president. You think he's incited yeah. more anger. And I think he's in, incited more. He's made it um, okay. And yes, in the 60s and 70s, uh, you might have had presidents that were had some of the same feelings that he had, but it um, they didn't express it, and so it was not socially correct. Right. Um, now, I think what has happened now is that because in the 60s and 70s, we did a lot of black movement, a lot of trying to bring people together. Um, things open up, the schools open up for a lot of us, uh, not across the board, but for a lot. You learn to work with, go to work every day, and you learn to work with people of all nationalities. And so, as I've been saying all the while, those children, my children, your generation, and your children's children are now the ones that are out there fighting. And because um, of, I think, of what we did back in the 60s and 70s, opening it up so that you guys could do more, move more freely around the world. And yes, there's still a lot of anger. Okay, because there are a lot of people, uh, not only George Floyd and many others that have been killed by the hands of a white man unnecessarily. Um, but there are also a lot of them that have embraced us as well. So people your age and your children's age realize that we aren't bad people. Yes, there are some that are bad, but there are also some that are bad on their side. And so it's become a little more accepted. And I think this is the, what's going on now is the new wave from the 60s. And so you have the fighting in the 60s and 70s. You had a little low period, and now it's starting again. But I think we're making better progress. I think um, this will also make a big change. And you will still have a lot of those out there. And I think that will always happen. A lot of those out there that don't like us because of the color of our skin or because we speak. And when I say we, I mean Hispanics as well, uh, people. And even if, even if it's not Hispanic, I've listened to people talk and um, they'll take people from other countries 
and not necessarily black countries, but of color, um, talk about them because they, are, they do speak different or they do act different. Indians, because they act different than, than they do. I think this whole movement this time will, is making people realize that they are not, they are not different. Okay. Do you think people are more angry now than they were in the 70s or it, like I feel like do you feel like it's more emotional now than it was in the 70s? Since 70s was about creating paving a way, right? Making a way for the future. Whereas now it's almost like it's getting to more depth. It's peeled uh, yes. back the end in and a deeper level. Yes. Yes. To that it seems like there's more emotion whereas there is more you know, I think yes, I do. I think there is more emotion uh, now than it was then. Then it was because you have a bigger group. You have more people. You have people across the board. Before it was um, more localized or more a smaller group. Now the group is larger. It's across the country. Right. It's, it's around it's the around, world. I was going to say yeah. around the world. Yeah. And people are saying, come on, get rid of that, um, those prejudices, get rid of those feelings. And I think that's what we have to do. We have to sit around, sit down and think about it. Um, realize, yes, you had a uncle or an aunt or a child or cousin or someone in your family that 20 years ago that was, or 30 years ago, um, that was abused by a um, white family or a white man or whoever. Um, but a lot of those people, they did it. A lot of them now sit back and realize what they did was wrong. Oprah had years ago, she had... Um, some southern whites on her i forget what group it was on her program and this was a number of years ago this might have been in the 80s or 90s she had them and she spoke to them and they were saying and they lynched people and they were saying now how they realize how wrong they were and how sorry they were. They said it on her show then? They said oh, it okay. on her show. She, it was a panel. And of course she asked them all kinds of questions. And they were saying how sorry they were. That they really didn't realize what they were really doing. They were young too. In their 20s or whatever. 30s. Now they're in their 70s. And some of them, one or two of them might have been in their 80s. Right and how wrong they were for what they did and how they have now taught their children once they realize and then start teaching their children this is not right and that's what we have to do we have to take some of that anger I think and look at it and I, I get it I get being angry I get being mad and not liking people because they've done things. My cousin was beat up coming from a football game. His Frankie, his nose was broken. He was a football player. 
and some white guys just periodically beat the crap out of him. But I also know of a friend of ours who's passed now, his name was Kendrick, and we were in New York, and two white boys came walking, or three, I don't know how many it was. He was with my brother and the rest of the guys. And Kendrick just stopped, and he was strong, and he just popped the guy. Why? Because he was white. Yeah. So that's two sides of the story. Okay? I also think, too, you said something important. I think that the people on, on the Oprah saying that they realized it was wrong teaching their children different. Mm -hmm. I think what we don't think about is they may be teaching their children that that's different, but without having the tools and the experiences to completely tr teach them right yeah or to really teach them let's say the more political thing politically correct things to mm -hmm. say or wh how you don't say certain things to black people or what's offensive they may be teaching their children that but that doesn't mean their world open up enough to experience more black people and to really no. learn and understand how all their behaviors need to change and what behaviors to change mm -hmm. and without having those experiences they can't change everything but, but that doesn't mean they're not coming from the right place and right, wanting to change right, something right and so and at what some we point have we to have to do something yeah. about that because some some sometimes ignorance is just that just being ignorance it doesn't mean ignorance is racist it just means they just don't they know. don't know and we have to find a way not to be angry in order to teach them right right let me tell you i had a I have a girlfriend pat who is a very dear friend i've been invited to her home many times i was invited to her wedding many times uh, not many times when her daughter got married, uh, when her kids, her sons see me in the store or wherever. Oh, hi, Addie. Hugs, kisses, love. She's been to my home. Now, Pat is white. Yes. Okay. We've gone, we go places together and we hang out together just as friends, not as a black girl with a white girl, just friends. And the other day, she and another friend of ours, we were walking. And we were talking about, I turned around and asked them, I said, okay, both of them were white. And I said to them, I said, okay, I'm going to bring up a conversation. I want to hear your, your thoughts. Black Lives Matter. What you, and we talked about it. But well, That was brave of you to ask two white women that yes. by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, love I, it. I feel that way toward them. Right. And I know they feel that way toward right. me. Okay. And that's what I mean by choosing people for who they are inside. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, she said to me, Addie, I've, I've been beating myself up for it, and I have to apologize to you. She was selling a pool table. She was moving. She couldn't use her pool table. Um, white family a white guy came to look for it look at it and he told her it was nice he thought he might take it he was supposed to bring the money she said whoever brings the first money gets the table um, the other guy was Hispanic brown brown skinned Hispanic guy he came and she said she let him go upstairs to look at this pool table and she thought Oh my God, 
I let this guy, I'm in this house by myself with this guy. He could do anything to me. I let him go up in my house. Now the pool, ta pool table was big, so it was like $3,000. She was selling it for 3000 And so she said, oh my goodness, he's a big guy. He could do all these things to me. He came down told her yes he was interested in pool table he would bring her what did she want a check cash money order cashier's check how did she want it she said she told him she preferred no check she preferred cash or a bank check he said okay fine he'd be back the next day the white guy never showed this guy came by with his friends all span Hispanic and they took the pool table out. He gave her the cash money, $3,000, and he left. And she says, then later she's looking at this Black Lives Matter and she thought, look what I just did. I was afraid of him because he was not white. I wasn't afraid when the white guy went upstairs, but I was afraid when the, black, when the Hispanic guy went upstairs. And she says, I realized that white guy was just as dangerous, if either one of them was dangerous, as the Hispanic. And she said, I have been beating myself up for it because I realized how wrong I was. How, why did I judge him that way? And she said to me, you didn't know him, but I'm apologizing to you because I feel that that was a racist movement. Well, she realized that her own psyche, and that's what I had mm -hmm. said in mm -hmm. videos I've done, is that it's in our all of our psyches mm -hmm. and uncovering that. Mm -hmm. I mean, at least she was able to be aware enough of it anyway mm -hmm. to notice, right? She was aware and yeah. going, oh my God, so maybe that's the first step of now changing that. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah. So that's what, those are the kinds of things we have to do. We have to realize that take time when we do certain things, that's the fan. When we do certain things, we have to stop and think about it. Would I have done that if that guy was white or if that guy were black or if that guy was Hispanic or uh, Indian or whatever and start looking at people as people not as what another nation other nationalities they're people and um that's the way i've looked at her through the years is just a friend of mine and that's the way the three of us have hung out because uh, you know the girls that i meet with or talk to um via Zoom every day. And there have been times They're that all white. Aren't they're, they? all, they're, they're all, all white. white. Mm -hmm. And um, if I say to them, I don't feel well or something, next thing I know, the next day, if I'm not on the Zoom meeting, they're calling me, adding with, you know, are you all right? Is there anything you need? One girl is um, Hispanic, Mexican, um, Lillian. And, um, you know, uh, whenever there's the 
Spanish holiday was Cinco de Mayo. We, before Cinco de Mayo. Cinco de Mayo. Before this, we would all be over her house, and she would cook up, and we would all take food. And um, I forget where the other girl is from. But we all, they all, it's about 12 of us. We all care for each other because we are who we are. Right. Not because I'm black or white or purple or green. It's who we are. So have you had the Black Lives conversation on the Zoom call? Did anybody, they bring, have, anybody they bring it up they at have, all during? They, they have. They have talked about how they felt about the um, the two killings, uh, about um, Floyd crying out, I can't breathe. I think that's awesome. I mean, to yeah. be all of those women and you're the only black woman mm -hmm. on the call and for them to want to have the conversation, conversation and feel open enough to I discuss think that's it. just awesome. And I have dialed in and they are discussing They're it. already talking about it and you're not yeah. even there yet. And I'm not there. And they'll say, hi, hi, Addie. We were just talking about ba 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 ba, and I said, "Go ahead," and they'll I think that's they'll wonderful. discuss it. Mm -hmm. So I think you know I really believe that when you you attract the people that you are that mm -hmm. mimic who you are, mm -hmm. you know, and that you call forth those people to you, mm -hmm. you know, and they're going to be a match. Your energy is going to match their energy. energy, and so if you are pulling people to you that are not that way, you really have to take a look take at a yourself. Look yourself. Yeah. I mean, you're a prime example of that, right? Yeah. You've discovered these women. It's not like you said, I'm going to go out and find these type of people. You just kind of found these people yeah. and connected and to them through the heart. Yeah. You, I think the important thing mm -hmm. to hear is you connected to them through the heart. Mm -hmm. And by connecting to them through the heart, you've developed these relationships, mm -hmm. not based on color and and with everything that's happened, you were didn't doesn't sound like you were in any fear mm -mm. that these people were going to change and no longer be your friends no. or anything like that. You're going to feel uncomfortable no. because you connected from your heart, mm -hmm. and I think that that is that's a huge lesson right there. Yeah. So is that the lesson you want people to hear? I think that's what people should. That's how people have to choose people. One other thing, you remember for my. 60th birthday. Yeah. Your 60th birthday party. Yeah, that they gave me. Uh-huh. And these women were part oh, of the Oh, that's right. Those women gave you a 60th my, birthday yeah. party. Yeah. And um, it was huge. And the, the, the love and the, the, the gifts weren't that much for me, even though I got a lot of gifts. But it was the love, the caring, and how they felt. I did not realize how any of them felt about me no more than people, someone I would exercise with until that day. Well, I have to tell you that whenever I meet someone out in the world that knows you, that I didn't even know these people, but they found out, like, stop me, are you Addie and Albert's daughter? Mm -hmm. All I ever hear from people is how amazing you guys are always how incredible mm -hmm. I, I think I mean more people that know, know you me. than dad but how special of a human being you are mm -hmm. so I just feel really blessed to have you as my oh, mom because oh. I just think that <laughs> I think you know I watch you guys and you guys have this 
I, what I always found that was so incredible about the two of you is that you have this level, this well that never runs dry mm. of love wow. that you pour out to other people. No matter what happens, you never stop loving and giving, no mm. matter what. And that's true, I think, for the both of you, and it's all, almost in a way been my, I have to say, my Achilles heel, <laughs> which is another conversation yes, for another yes, day yeah. that hopefully we can have, um, because you guys just move through this world in this way, and that has been my world, and I've struggled more with as, as an adult with how do I do that and do the things that I do, and mm -hmm. so, you know. Yeah. Anyway, I'm glad. I think that's I'm wonderful. Glad. Thank I'm you glad. so much for the conversation. I think that this has been really, really great. I think and so. learning how to, and hopefully maybe we can have more conversations and help people really figure out how to move from the heart. Um, I think that's I think what we that need. I think that is, I woke up this morning going, I am so sick and tired of talking about what's wrong as far as racial injustice, what's wrong, what's happening, who's done what, what to whom, and really being frustrated. And I just really had this surge of energy of, no, I need to have a conversation about the heart because mm -hmm. that is what's needed. And I just really felt that was guidance for me to remember that and move from that place and how can I, it's not about training about racism or any of these things, it's more about really training on the heart. How can mm -hmm. we move from the heart? And so I'm hoping that I can help the world move from that place. So thank yeah. you. Thank you. So much. Thank you. You're thank welcome. you. All right. Love you, Mom. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining and listening to this podcast. I hope that you found my conversation with my mother as insightful as I did and walked away with the biggest message of how we need to learn how to open up our hearts and move from our hearts and connect to each other from that place, create relationships based on moving from the heart and through the heart. And I hope you found her parenting tips insightful that it is in the experiences that we have with different types of people that begin to mold us in a way that we can see the world from different perspectives. I'm your host, Donna O, and thank you so much for joining and look out for my next episode where I am going to interview my dad, which is going to be totally different from my mom. Take care. And remember to move through and with heart.